My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with female and female-identified entrepreneurs, founders, co-founders, business owners, and industry gurus. These podcasts speak with women and women-identified individuals across all industries in order to shed light for those just getting into the entrepreneurial game as well as those deeply embedded within it. Histories, current companies, and lessons learned are explored in the conversations I have with these insightful and talented powerhouses. The series is designed to investigate a female and female-identified perspective in what has largely been a male-dominated industry in the USA to date. I look forward to contributing to the national dialogue about the long overdue change of women in American business arenas and in particular entrepreneurial roles. You can contact me via my media company website, wild.agency, that's W-I-L-D-E dot agency, or my personal website, patriciacathleen.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi everyone and welcome back. This is your host Patricia and today I am sitting down with Abigail Jones. Abigail is the co-founder and COO of Cairn Leadership. Welcome Abigail. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to kind of climb into what you're doing and what your company does. Um, For everyone listening, I'll read a quick bio on Abigail, but I'll also tell you a roadmap for today's podcast. We're first going to look at Abigail's academic background and early professional life. Then we'll turn our attention to unpacking Karen leadership and the current endeavors within that logistics of who, what, when, where, why, and how. And then we'll also look at kind of the ethos and the more philosophical structures behind the company. Then we'll look towards Abigail's goals that she has for Karen leadership and perhaps herself over the next few years. And we'll wrap everything up with advice that she may have for those of you looking to get involved or kind of mirror some of her um, structural history. Uh, you can locate every uh, more information regarding Karen Leadership on their website, karenleadership.com. That is C-A-I-R-N-L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P.com. A quick bio on Abigail. Um, Karen Leadership harnesses the unique power of shared outdoor adventure to develop business leaders and their teams. Abigail drives Karen Leadership's process to activate leader and team potential through team development, coaching, and retreats for organizations. So I like that uh, it's very tight and um, neat, Abigail. But first I wanna get, before we get into Karen leadership, I wanna climb into your academic background and early professional life. So can you start yeah. us off with where you went to school? Yes, I went to undergrad at UC San Diego, right up the road, and studied international sociology and linguistics and just fascinated by how people make sense of and understand the world and the capacity, the sort of range for how people live and make meaning and really how people develop and learn best. So near the end of my academic time there, I started taking classes in the education department and with a lab that was situated to do university and community partnerships called the Lab of Comparative Human Cognition. So it was really the sister science to cognitive science, which was born at UCSD. And so it was this interdisciplinary academic 
playground for me to be able to develop skills where I had to definitely learn how to balance priorities when working with both the university and the community and develop programming in a multicultural setting down in Southeast San Diego. And so I was the community wellness research lead there for five years after I graduated. Nice. So that was a really good way to stay close to academia. I've always been really close wanting to know what's happening in the research and, and turn around and be able to apply that and whatever work I'm doing to help people. And that's where I started off. And through that, I actually attended a mindfulness conference and I was doing some work with the community in Southeast San Diego with yoga, social, emotional literacy and healthy cooking and these sorts of things. But um, it was at this mindfulness conference that I learned improv as a tool to teach mindfulness and particularly loud group mindfulness is another way to sort of look at improv and so that's where I got to um, taste that and then dive fully into improvisational comedy as a way to develop my skills as a facilitator and public speaker so that, that was an an amazing pairing. I never think of improv when I think of mindfulness. I mean, the, the person who created that kind of um, pedagogical lens is, is fascinating unto their, the concept itself. But how, so you brought that more into full fruition and started like endeavoring into improv. Did you do stand up? Did you, what did you do with that? Well, stand up is distinctly different, right? That's a singular, yeah. more ego based, prepared line of work. Whereas improv is necessarily group, necessarily spontaneous, and um, develops this kind of trust in your teammates. So I took workshops, started performing with a small group locally, not affiliated with any theaters, but I had a great teacher. And then um, a, we just broke off and continued to do improvisational work and small shows as just like a private group. And so that just grew. And from that, I partnered with a fella up in North County who was doing consulting work uh, for educational leaders at a higher level for a long time. So we developed Mindful Games for Leaders, a series of workshops that was based on teaching mindfulness through improvisation and traditional like not, um, contemplative practices based on the research. So um, partner, they were affiliated with Stanford's um, medical school program on mindful research awareness and up at UCLA, the programs associated with compassion cultivation and that the brain research around that. So that was fun to be able to mm. again stay close to the research and apply it to people in everyday life and just see what that, see, practice really flexing my facilitation on what it means to lead a group. Right. Um, and well, with improv, now I'm getting, I feel like I might have some limited understanding as well. So you're going to have to bear with my naivete, but with improv, I always think of comedy. And so I think that I feel like maybe your definition of improv is encompassing other things, or I'm like misunderstanding because I'm wondering how you're putting um, action items behind like um, the concept of mindful improvisational development within action, you know, within community. Can you point to like specific examples of how that's kind of embodied so I can understand it? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, what's funny is what's true. 
right? What gets an audience to laugh is this of relatable, actual things. And so um, one of the, the activities that I've done this year more than once is to use the DISC assessment. Uh, it's a tool that tells your style, communication style, and work style preferences. And so once you've taken that assessment, you can identify who you are and you break off right. into groups. We use role playing as a way for um, folks to make this short, somewhat improvisational um, role playing scenario of each other so that they can, and in this kind of way, like use hyperbole, use exaggeration, use this playful sort of in the moment, raw uh, and fun really to, to exaggerate the qualities of their teammates and sort of name these general preferences and be able to then use them and apply at work, you know, knowing that Sally prefers, you know, she deliberate information processed with charts and graphs and sort of things that are, that are general and um, that can help you operate more efficiently as a team, just knowing these patterns. So, so is that to what end is, is it to increase the dynamicism and communication within teams? These yeah. kinds of um, tasks and team building and exercises is that like is it to increase the um, productivity via communication within a group of people? It is. It, it comes from you know professional development, but what I love about improv too is it translates so much into the intangible capital of personal relationships that people can apply in their everyday lives. So, building that sort of productivity, efficiency, ROI is that is the end game, especially, you know, in the first conversations. But what's so great about the work that we do, and now as we'll get into taking that work outside, is that people are developing holistically. So they're engaged and they're having fun and they're recognizing the value of the skills they're building for their entirety of their relationships. Because what are we other than our relationships, right? Our relational lives and how we choose to organize ourselves, you know, both at home and at work. So it's fun to be able to cultivate those. Okay, yeah. so you were at, you did the lab um, of the human cognition and then it sounds like you went to one of their actual centers and for five years did more of the public implementation, which I think is arduous unto itself for people who don't know the intersection between where academia meets public utility and um, employment is so convoluted and sometimes can be the most congested. And it's tragic because it's the, you know, I feel like it's the most necessary. It's where theory meets practice in every form. And um, academia is kind of famous for having these verbose theories that when they go to implementation don't make a ton of sense, you know, the entire field of computer programming to get a degree in computer science and computer programming, at least back in the aughts was studying a whole bunch of theory that had nothing to do with the code you were going to write for the next 40 years. And so, and that's like, you know, the impetus of, because it's such a prevalent field right now that I like to use for people and saying, getting that utility, you know, out of um, academia is, is crucial, but it's also really hard done. And so it sounds like this lab that you were at, um, the uh was it the lab of human cognition one of those cognition yeah okay yeah and then you were doing that for five years what happened with you after that did you take some of those lessons and form 
care and leadership or what was the kind of the birth of it? Um, yeah. And the huge lesson there too, is that qualitative research, being able to take mm -hmm. observations of a situation, of a space, of the tools, activities, and environments from almost an anthropological viewpoint and be able to observe the world and look at data points that are um, more in the field note capacity. So that was a huge takeaway from that training as well. But I stayed close to UCSD and personally am invested in uh, giving back to the military. It's not coming from my family, but a later relationship um, has my heart given back to the military. And so UCSD's Raby School of Management offers a Veterans Ventures program for military service members to transition into entrepreneurship. And I was concurrently taking business management certificate program at UCSD, just interested in business, interested in, um, you know, staying close to academia, but also using the power of business and um, to, to drive change, really. And through that program, I, I started just with helping them develop the program from the ground up and seeing what that was needed for this accelerator type program through the years they would have a fall cohort and a spring cohort and um i it was the second year that that was happening this was last year exactly and um they gave me rain to lead a multi-day retreat that was professional and personal development for the fall cohort of 2018. So I put together um, a series of speakers. Uh, I got the venue and coaches to fly up to Reno, Nevada, and we had this retreat. And it was actually, um, I had been also working as an intern in a leadership development firm here in San Diego, just a boutique offshoot that was um, a small team, mostly from the Center for Creative Leadership. So I got to see through the years some of that corporate training, the coaching, the and how a company like that grows from the ground up. And it was great experience. I was grateful to learn from them. And we had some values that were distinctly different. And so um, that was an interesting point to realize that they didn't necessarily see professional and personal development in tandem and the value that would happen in like this holistic development kind of way. There was a lot of overlap between us, but um, I ended up leaving that small boutique company. I got my wilderness first responder training to do some more corporate retreats, just um, offshoot consulting sort of work. It seems and like a random, have you always been a wilderness person? The wilderness, uh, like. Barely, but I was, I was, sort of, uh, I got consulting work throughout the years in leadership development because um, of my facilitation in the corporate world. And they just happened to have like semi outdoor venues and be working out like eco glamping retreats. And they suggested that I get a wilderness first responder training. And I've, you know, I, I acknowledge the power of being able to like have that first aid, have that like caring for people. And I'm not opposed to the outdoors. I snowboard, I surf, I like, but I don't, you know, I didn't necessarily grow up that way. It's something I cultivated later in life. I just, I have a craving for um, adventure for sure. That's been a through line yeah. throughout, but I didn't necessarily think that that could be built into the company until I met my business partner, Knight. So right. he, I met him and I hired him for the retreat that I ran for UCSD's 
Veterans Ventures program. Mm -hmm. And then he was already running this leadership development company that was using the outdoors to activate potential to build trust, to do all the things I was used to doing in a conference room, used to doing in these very corporate settings with PowerPoints, these sorts of things. And he was just taking it to the next level with that outdoor um, venue, essentially. And so he is a National Outdoor Leadership School, Knowles. Have you heard of that company? I have. Um, Where did you guys meet? You hired him for this, but where did you find him? So funny. It's, this, it's, it's actually we my girlfriends were visiting from minnesota where i grew up and we took a lift ride from a restaurant down the street and i talked to everyone that is my you know i, I just am interested in people i'm yeah. unquenchably curious and so talking to our lift driver i told him somehow my the of what I was doing and the, the fact that I needed one more coach, one more person, and that he was a fella who was in the San Diego Regional Chamber of Commerce, and he said, you should meet Knight, and he just connected us. So as a Lyft driver, and basically yeah. talking to strangers, and then the rest is history. We just started to, after that, after that retreat and seeing him work, we started to hike and climb and realize our values and we created a, a flagship program for people to open enroll and be able to come on adventures with us sort of separate from their teams so that we could really get the ball rolling and create what we needed in a kind of way too. It's like we want professional development that is not contrived, that is not based on these like transactional situations that's just going to be more fulfilled. So right okay so let's climb into it so it sounds like um it was launched with you and knight um when did you guys launch karen leadership so he had started the company late in 2018 almost just right when we left he'd come from the naval academy launched the business and sort of built the structure of the business and was not you know was a singleton and his wife is involved too, but she's also an orthopedic surgeon. So she's got her own fish to fry. And um, so he had built the structure of the business and we officially partnered in April of last year of 2019. In and um, did you re um, did you rename it or was it already being called Karen leadership? It was our night named it Karen leadership. All right, and let's get into the name really quickly. Where did the name come from? So Knight is trained as a mountaineer um, through Knowles, and he's done countless backpacking mountaineering expeditions throughout his personal life. And it was with one particular expedition with his wife, Leone, where they were on a glacier in Alaska and windblown, zero visibility and then in the process of looking for a name through as a backdrop to the story but saw a glimpse of these stacked rocks and that is the universal sign that you are going the right way that somebody has been here before and that you are on the path and so that that visual of that stacked rocks um is what Karen means. And for me, that also just resonates so strongly of, um, it's just such a powerful symbol to, 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 
define leadership. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's a cool symbol to stand behind. I'm proud to do so. Yeah, blocks being built on one another in all symbolic formats. I mean, in and art history as well, you know, rock formations and rock towers have been built since the beginning of the beginning. And um, they've they've always stood for, you know, kind of a solidified strength, a, a signal of of unity and strength. So that does uh, that does resonate with me as well. So the two founders are you and Knight. Is there anybody else who who's come on board or is it just the two of you as far as the foundation goes? Just us as the foundation goes, and then we'll bring on coaches, facilitators, and guides on a contract basis as we need. Okay, so walk me through the structure a little bit, because it feels like if you're going to span enough of the industry, you're going to have to call in, as you as you just said, you know, a, a lot of different um, special, specific, specialized um, coaches and people to do different things. So depending on who your client is, is kind of going to manicure what particular um, outdoor event you suggest for this, right? And and even the activities within that event. To a certain extent, and Knight and I have a pretty large capacity for what we, for the ground that we cover. So that's what's helpful is we are able to do a lot and the weather is mostly permitting here in San Diego. So that's also a huge help, but we have permits and insurance and gear for up to 20 people to take rock climbing out in Mission Gorge. And we can easily do that, he and I. And similarly for hikes, we can do that for up to 50 people up in Mission Trails between the two of us. And then as far as, you know, kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, that sort of thing, we'll bring in and hire a company or a few expert guides to to take on that kind of reign. But as we're developing more into our comprehensive leadership development programs for scaling companies, what we really are coming to is um, just hiring on coaches and making sure that we're on the same level to do that one-on-one work. And then all coming together at these periodic times, six months, one year later, to do these team development events, but we can we can pulsate pretty easily in terms of we are the foundational structure and have aligned coaching methodologies, and then we just deploy that one-on-one. We have meetings to make sure that we are consistent in our structure, mm-hmm. and then we're able to, you know, we built we build these relationships over time and make sure we have the right people on board to to outsource the coaching. But the the guiding and the facilitation, we do that ourselves too. So we're not coming in cold, hiring people, doing something we don't wouldn't do or couldn't do ourselves. So we have so a pretty good gauge on it. How long does it take you to write kind of a diet? You come, you have a client that comes in. I'm assuming you run some kind of a diagnostics as to what could benefit their company most with one of these excursions. And then within that excursion, you're going to have um I would imagine it's not just the hike or just the climb or just the paddleboard. It's these kinds of um, activities, you know, this communication building activities that you did back with improvisational um, mindful development and those types of things. How do you construct? Do you have boilerplate mentalities where you can kind of just curate everything to the client's needs or do you start from scratch each and every time? 
Yeah, there. I mean, there's. it's a little bit of both. There is some custom design based on our discovery phase of the process, which we build into the bid. But we um, we do have just plug and play solutions that and um, sort of buckets of conversation. So if a team comes in and they just want one single team development event, we have a, a roadmap to say, what are the skills you want to work on? What's the activity you want to do? And where do you want to be? Just boom, boom, boom. It's an easy one page sort of back and forth where we don't do that in-depth discovery. But if you ideally want to be with us for a comprehensive leadership development, for instance, for a scaling company that we just put this together is going to be a year long process. We'll do multiple team development events based on where you start and where you want to go. And then, um, so there's more of that discovery phase, but we still have these buckets of categories of, um, sort of, where, depending on where the company is at, if they're more senior versus more brand new, fresh managers, fresh mm -hmm. leaders who have never, you know, had to harness the power of a team and get everyone aligned and on the same page, we can start from the beginning a little bit more. Absolutely. So it's a little bit of both. Do you have any powerful like stats or any ideas like how you pitch? Because I always, uh, having been around the block and back again 22 times over i'm always telling people you can never have your team too tight you know even the most um loquacious and best of friends team of five you know making um, a unicorn salary can still um, benefit from team building i would say at, at least a bi-yearly checkup every six months of getting out and doing some kind of an excursion you know or having another lens applied to your company always yields something. So, you know, this being Karen, um, leadership's lens and things of that nature, do, what do you tell your clients when they approach or how do you, do you guarantee them that it's going to lend information or knowledge or do you provide them with um, uh, like tangible resources in the end? How does all of that work? Yeah, I mean, as far as for the implementation process, they we give them, a report based on where they're at now, that sort of end diagnostic for where they're at, but the actual, it's hard to quantify necessarily the results of these relationship building skills, but we tend to, I mean, there's really great research just on overall engagement and turnover and retention and these sorts of things, but we have the, the testimonials speak pretty highly in terms of our clients and what they've gained and so it's a lot of qualitative feedback that we're getting and we're figuring out measures on how to quantify the results of our programs. Um, but it's, if you're not investing in developing your people, we're at this age of employee experience where there's this expectation that, you know, people will feel appreciated and get that sense that their leaders are looking to actively develop their skills and so we tend to get that we tend to get leaders on board who are in who know that they have yeah, to yeah. do that stay any kind of current especially with this millennial leadership starting to emerge um so we've haven't encountered too many of the non-believers yet there's there's a pretty strong um group of scaling companies that already are on board with this but yeah absolutely and the literature is there anyway um, from other aspects 
I'm wondering, um, looking forward, just because you've come on board this year, you're headed, I mean, we're now in 2020, you're headed into your next year. What are the goals that um, you personally have for yourself in dealing with Karen Leadership and then the company? What does Karen Leadership aspire to over like, let's say the next three to five years? Yeah, we're excited. Actually, just before the holidays, we signed a contract with UCSD Rady School of Management to teach there the same Veterans Ventures program through which Knight and I met. We are now running that accelerator program um, starting in February. And we have done, we did work last year with UPS and we'll be doing so again this year at their convention in 2020. So really what we're looking at is three or four core clients to do comprehensive leadership development with. We really want to build that relationship with the team and stay with as they're growing and scaling. So giving those core company alliances that we have, and then we're building Crux Society to have these quarterly adventures mixed with leadership coaching, where we are offering that rhythm for people to open enroll and do that leadership development on their own, regardless of their company. And so right now that's rolling. We have quarterly trips planned for this year. Um, and so making that internationally available and moving outside of Southern California is something we're already looking at for 2021 to move into, especially the Pacific Northwest, to have Crux Society chapters in other cities to have leadership realms that are in these different quadrants of the United mm -hmm. States running these outdoor adventures mixed with leadership coaching. To yeah, form. well, and it sounds like with your international clients, like, you know, UPS and stuff like that, that'll be a natural transition as well. It's going to have a, an easy momentum, a self momentum of its own, if you will. Um, and moving, yeah. Sorry, one more piece that we don't, we are just starting to unveil too is just this executive leadership retreat. These, these sort of off the books, private expeditions that people are starting to hire us to do. Instead of going on, say, like a eight day Knowles trip in Wyoming, which leaders can do to hire us for just weekend retreats or semi smaller retreats um, just for like high level executive teams that which we're already starting to see traction for. We have one in March, I can hardly believe is sold out. And then it's just scaling from there in terms of higher level leadership offering that. Um, Absolutely. Those sound like they would be, you know, a lot more um, applicable to smaller companies or things like that as well that can't take a full week off without kind of going under you know, it sounds like your, your yeah. client base is going to be bigger. So if you were um, bumping into someone tomorrow, um, let's say another woman or female identified or non-binary individual, and they asked you for your top three pieces of advice um, as far as getting into and launching their own kind of coaching or leadership coaching company, what are the top three pieces of things that you've kind of acquired over the past um, one to five years regarding this process that you could tell that person? Hmm. Definitely to ask questions, ask more questions and stay curious in, this, in whatever role you're in. Um, and to, um, especially in that same sort of vein, challenge the assumptions about 
what is possible. So pushing boundaries and, Mm. and I think that comes from this place of curiosity, but being bold in the kind of way that you take action from the answers that you get from those questions and knowing that there's more room likely to move than you think at first Um, within the structure of even how you organize your day to the structure of where you sit in your company and what you could be doing. There's often more room than you think. And um, I mean, I get outside is very cliche, but what I mean, I think by that are our values are explore, connect and excel. So Moving beyond the boundaries is this explore piece, connecting, building bridges, both with people and between dis- disparate ideas like leadership and the outdoors. You wouldn't think they could go together, but what would a bridge between those ideas look like? And then excel, do absolutely everything with completeness, with full attention to detail and care, care about the way that you do the small things and it just translates up into the daily habitual quality of attention you cultivate that's what gets you to be able to sort of move between low level tasks and these high level intense conversations is the care you take along the way in the process of taking care of yourself and your professional development at the same time is this care. Absolutely. Those are awesome. I've got ask questions, stay curious, challenge assumptions. There's more room to move and create than you would think and get outside, explore, and then um, connect, develop all of those things that you have. I like those three pieces. I think those are awesome. And they're much more philosophical than a lot of people come up with. So it's like another mantra unto itself. Um, We're out of time today, Abigail, but I wanted to say thank you so much for um, all of your information and speaking with us today. I know it's just after the new year and people are still kind of in recovery from all of those yummy treats and sweets and partying. And so thank you for talking with me. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'll circle back around. I love um, the the newness of what you're doing. And I think in a year's time, it's going to be a a grand um, experience and adventure to kind of climb back over your last year. So we'll try to circle back around next January and see where you're at, see if we can beg some time for another um, quick interview with you. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Awesome. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for your time. And until we speak again, remember to always bet on yourself. Slut